0: even before COVID, we were seeing several innovative states change their statutes and regulations to allow technicians to administer vaccines. And the federal prefect authority really only seemed to speed up that timeline. And so it really, it, it offers that opportunity to expand your capacity, to be able to serve the patients and the people around you. Um, and as pharmacists are providing more services, we really need technicians to be able to step up into different roles as well, so that we don't have this vacuum or this gap um, that really just creates even more stress. And so as pharmacists expand what they're able to do, we wanna make sure that we allow technicians to, to come in and backfill as well.
1: Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where we believe that quality measurement leads to better outcomes. Let us become your go-to source for all things related to quality and medication use in healthcare. We will hit on trending health topics as they relate to performance measurements and find common ground for payers and practitioners. We will discuss how the Equip platform can help you with your performance goals, and we will also make sure to keep you up to date on pharmacy quality news. So buckle up and put your thinking cap on. The Quality Corner Show starts now.
2: Hello, Quality Corner Show listeners. Welcome back to the PQS podcast, where we focus on medication use, quality improvement, and how we can utilize pharmacists to improve patient health outcomes. I'm your host, Nick Dorich, and on today's show, we are going to talk about immunizations. August is National Immunization Month, and for this month, we'll be focusing on that topic. There's a handful of great subtopics on immunizations that we'll tackle, and we will include new guests making their first appearance on the show. As we cover our topics this month, I'll let you know that our planning sessions included several other immunization-related topics, and therefore, I expect we may revisit immunizations as we have a number of other ideas that can be covered in a future series. Now that we've spent some time covering the background for this month, let's hone in on today's show. For today, we're going to talk about what immunizations pharmacists are authorized to provide in various states, what has changed, and of course, the impact of COVID. Finally, we'll cover what you can do in your state to help patients have better access to vaccines at their local pharmacy. Now, today's guest is coming to us from the National Alliance of State Pharmacy Associations or NASPA. Their organization functions as a central hub bringing together all the state pharmacy associations. If you're not a member of your state association, I would recommend you pause the podcast right now and sign up to be engaged with your local state association. Now our guest today is Allie Joe Shipman. Allie Jo, welcome to the PQS Quality Corner Show.
0: Thanks for having me, Nick.
2: Allie Joe, before we talk immunizations and pharmacist authority, we need to hear about you and your background. So can you tell us what is your background with healthcare and pharmacy and what do you do in your current role with NASPA?
0: Sure, so I am a pharmacist, um, new practitioner, so I just graduated less than five years ago. Um, but really wanted to get more into the profession care um, versus direct patient care, and also really wanted to have kind of a focus on policy. And so ended up doing the executive residency at National Community Pharmacists Association, or NCPA, when I graduated, and then stayed with NCPA in state government affairs for a little while. And then in 2019, switched over to NASPA as their director of state policy. So now I work with all of the different state pharmacy associations um, really just to help provide them with any resources or insights that they may need as they're um, helping advocate for pharmacists in a, a bunch of different aspects, but specifically in scope of practice and payment for services.
2: Allie Joe, I have not heard the term profession care before, but it makes a lot of sense to me, right? Because you know, we need pharmacists taking care of the patients, but we also need to be making sure that we are ensuring that there is appropriate practice for pharmacists and that pharmacists are able to do the jobs that we're trained and educated to do so that that may be a term that i steal in the future going forward Uh, now with that let's get ready for today's questions and let's hear the breakdown
1: now it's time for the breakdown as quality corner show host nick will ask three main topic questions our guests will have a chance to respond and there will be some discussion to summarize the key points. This process will repeat for the second and third questions, which will wrap up the primary content for this recording. After that, expect to end on a closing summary, usually containing a bonus question. Now that we have described the process, let's jump into the questions.
2: Allie Joe, let's get started with a background on what immunizations pharmacists can provide in different states. Are there any states which allow pharmacists to provide all approved vaccines? And are there different age restrictions in place for different states?
0: Sure. So, immunization laws are really interesting when you look for pharmacists. If you've seen one state's immunization law, you've seen one state's immunization law. They vary widely across the board. Actually, most states allow pharmacists to administer all vaccines in some form or fashion. And there are only a handful that don't, that have just a list that pharmacists are allowed. Um, to to administer, but the big difference in state authority comes in two ways, um, and so that even if they're allowed to administer, there are still some some barriers or restrictions in place, and those come in two different forms. And so you're looking at uh, whether pharmacists have independent authority to prescribe, or whether they require a protocol or even a prescription from a physician before they can administer. And then also, like you mentioned, those age restrictions. So right now, about half of the states have some sort of age restriction in place.
2: allie Joel I'll have a couple of quick feedback or additional questions for you. So with this, if a pharmacist can, quote-unquote, prescribe for the immunization and and then provide it, that seems like it'd be the most straightforward and expansive way for a pharmacist to uh, administer and provide immunizations. But when you mentioned uh different practice arrangement or agreements. Is this specifically that the pharmacist needs to be entered into a collaborative practice agreement or some type of similar terms in order to provide those immunizations? And and if so, are those collaborative practice agreements or CPAs, are those typically with a physician's office or, or another healthcare system or under the authority of a state?
0: Yeah. And so with protocols, we do typically mean those collaborative practice agreements. And The vast majority of those are going to be with either an individual physician or some other. Some can be with physician's assistants or nurse practitioners in a handful of states. Occasionally, you'll see them with a practice, right? Like a physician's practice. You have multiple on there, Um, but that is more typical. You do have a couple of states that have kind of a, a statewide protocol for immunizations as well.
2: Great. Thank you for that additional response. And let's move to our next question to be addressed. And it's probably the big topic that most folks are going to be interested in hearing about. Like many healthcare providers, pharmacists stepped up to lead vaccine efforts in 2020 and in 2021. And we also saw that in many instances that pharmacy technicians were approved to provide vaccinations either for the COVID-19 or in some cases for other routine uh, vaccines. Now, some of this was due to federal action or emergency authorization, but now, but how have these actions impact capabilities on the state level? And perhaps most importantly for patients, do we expect this expanded authority for pharmacists and pharmacy technicians to remain in place?
0: So I think so. Even before COVID, we were seeing several innovative states change their statutes and regulations to allow technicians to administer vaccines. And the federal prefect authority really only seemed to speed up that timeline. And so it really, it, it offers that opportunity to expand your capacity to be able to serve the patients and the people around you. Um, and as pharmacists are providing more services, we really need technicians to be able to step up into different roles as well so that we don't have this vacuum or this gap um, that really just creates even more stress. And so as pharmacists expand what they're able to do, we want to make sure that we allow technicians to to come in and backfill as well. Um, So pre-COVID, there were about five to six states that allowed technicians to administer vaccines. And just this past year, we've seen an equal number of states pass laws or change their regulations to do the same. And so really seeing, um, I think, a sped up version of what we were already leaning towards in the profession.
2: Allie Joe, thanks for that information. And thinking about those states that had already allowed pharmacy technicians to administer immunizations pre-COVID, can you name some of those states? and And I would think from a policy standpoint that the experience with those states and some of the data they have, particularly around uh, safety, that that would be integral to other states that are expanding. So do you have any additional information on you know how that experience has gone in states that were already allowing pharmacy technicians to administer immunizations?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you saw it more. It- We're seeing a lot of things kind of start in the West and move towards the East as far as practice advancement goes, Um, and it was the same way with technicians. I believe Idaho was the first state to allow technicians to administer immunizations to patients, but those handful of states, what they saw and what they saw with expanding kind of technician roles in general is even the pharmacists that were hesitant at the beginning liked having that opportunity and liked being able to train their technicians to provide those services because it gave them even more time with their patients.
2: Yeah that's an excellent point point. and you had mentioned with the west I, as I've looked at some of the data and information I think there's a correlation somewhat between states that may have more rural spaces and less access for healthcare providers so especially as we talk about Pharmacist provider status and medically underserved communities, there could be areas of overlap for consideration. And optimizing the, the role of the pharmacy technician really allows us to optimize the role of the pharmacist in an expanded capacity. Allie Joe, we're now going to move to our third question. And it's our final question for this section of the podcast, and we're going to talk about next steps. For pharmacists or pharmacy technicians that are in states that may still have some of those restrictions on immunizations, uh, and that immunizations that can be provided, what are the next steps or what, is the, what are the best practices? Is there other information or data that we can point to that shows that it's uh, safe and it's beneficial for the community to expand immunization authority? What lessons have been learned of late from states that have had successful updates?
0: So the best thing that you can do is to try to provide the full range of vaccines that your state currently allows you to provide. So it's really hard to argue for expanded scope if you're not already taking advantage of what's currently allowed. And so that's a big thing. Max out whatever the age ranges are, whatever the vaccines are that you're able to provide as much as you're, you know, as possible, provide that full range of service if you can. Um, But also another thing to really emphasize when you're advocating to whoever it is that you're advocating for pharmacists to be able to provide these vaccines is to emphasize that the goal is not to take over from physicians or pediatricians or other healthcare providers. The goal is to come alongside them and work to increase vaccination rates overall. So we're not trying to just move people around. We're trying to expand the bubble of people who are vaccinated to begin with. And so I think that's something to really emphasize is that we want to work with other health care providers. And we, because as pharmacists, we want children to go to their well-child visits with their pediatricians too. We want adults to have a primary care physician and see them for their annual physical too. We want that because we understand how important that is. And so I think emphasizing that pharmacists are kind of in that perfect spot to serve as, as kind of a safety net and an entryway into the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And we can kind of be that healthcare provider that refers and introduces these patients that don't have a primary care or a pediatrician or whoever it might be into the system so that they can kind of get that holistic care. That's really the thing to emphasize is that we're trained to provide these services and being like allowing us to provide these services helps patients overall because it helps get them into the healthcare system as well.
2: That does make me think of one additional question or follow-up and this is one where it's going to be very dependent upon the state that we're talking about. So Allie Jo, I'll allow you to have some generalities with that with your response here but different states may have different requirements or flexibility with uh, immunization registries in that state be it either for adults or for children. From what you're seeing with the states or generally is the requirement that if pharmacists are providing these immunizations for either for adults or kids that they have children that they're having to report that with the state-based registries. Does that create any kind of particular barriers for pharmacists or pharmacy technicians? or is that largely something that is, uh, already accounted for um, based on uh, based on data and based on uh, interoperability systems that may be in place.
0: Yeah, I think generally you do see states requiring pharmacists to report, which I I don't think beyond your kind of typical trying to make sure it fits in the workflow and isn't, you know, stepping out beyond those kind of general barriers isn't too heavy of a lift from what I've heard the problem comes in that pharmacists may be required to report but other healthcare providers aren't necessarily and so that creates gaps and and problems and and breaks up care and so really even if you're not required in your state to report still report that it's it's just kind of best practice for continuity of care um, for the patient and so i would say the The biggest issue is that it may be required for some, but not for all to report. And that's where we really see those those gaps in that fracturing.
2: Even if it's not required, it can be a good item to do, especially as there's pushback from either other providers or other groups on pharmacists doing this as a potential disruption for care. If we find that the pharmacists are reporting appropriately within the current systems, that negates that that argument and that removes a barrier to expansion or further opportunities. So great clarification there. Well, Joe, I now want to provide my sincere appreciation for you joining the show today and discussing pharmacists and pharmacy technicians and their role for providing immunizations and what that looks like across across different states. Uh, I can tell you from when I grew up and when I was going through pharmacy school uh, at the University of Rhode Island, we were trying to get pharmacists to be allowed to provide immunizations, and that was less than 15 years ago. So hearing your comments on the expansion and uh, other authority that's there and and how that's not just there for pharmacists, but also for very many pharmacy technicians in these cases, it's a huge update we look to have more updates in the future. Uh, In the future, I would like to have you back for an episode celebrating the pharmacist and the the pharmacy team, as hopefully we can get to a point where pharmacists and the technicians can provide all approved vaccines and there's not any barriers to be talking about. But until then, we'll have to think long and hard about successfully addressing these challenges in the respective states where barriers may still remain. Now, we have reached the part of the podcast that includes a bit of a fun or unique question for our guest. While we've made a habit of asking our guests about their travel spots and unique pharmacies that they've visited, I'd like to take a different approach for you. Quality improvement, it's a continuous process and involves both systems and the individual improvements. So ali Joe, in the last year or year and a half, you may have had a little bit more time on your hands and less travel. So did you happen to develop any new skills or training that you've worked on or developed that you'd like to share? This could be related to your professional and work life, or it could be a new skill that you can use in your personal life. So have you picked up a new skill or set a new hobby that's made an impact for you going forward?
0: Yeah, actually I've picked up an interesting one um, that I actually used to do when I was little. Um, but I and this is personal rather than professional, but I picked up crocheting again during COVID. Um, my, my grandmother was, you know, a seamstress and had done, she taught me knitting and crocheting and all that stuff. And I thought it was so much fun as a child and then, you know, forgot about it growing up, um, but picked it back up again in COVID because we couldn't go anywhere. So might as well uh, start crafting again. So that's kind of been a fun thing uh, to get back into.
2: Now, Allie Joe, are you crocheting for any one in particular? or Is there any, anything in particular you've, you've uh, become particularly accustomed to making with this new hobby?
0: Not particularly. I've just kind of been getting back into it, practicing, going back over all the different stitches, uh, trying to see what I remember and what I need to brush up on. But made a scarf, um, and kind of looked at a couple of other patterns for things as well.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting choice of a hobby. And I, I can say as well. That even pre-COVID, when we used to attend conferences and events, I can say firsthand that I've seen pharmacists in the back end of CE sessions or general sessions crocheting while they're uh, there and listening to what speakers are saying. So we'll see if there's others that have picked up that hobby as well. Now, uh, Ali Joe, I again appreciate you joining for today's episode of the Quality Corner Show. And before we close, I want to know if someone wants to ask you a question about what you discussed today or about anything related to NASPA, is there a way that they can contact you directly for more information?
0: Absolutely. They can email me if they want to. Um, My email address is ajshipman at naspa.us. Um, And again, feel free to reach out and I'll get back to you with uh, any answers to any questions you have if I have them.
2: Great. And uh, Allie Jo, I do want to ask as well, one other follow-up here related to contact. Where can folks find out about NASPA? And do you have any particular suggestions on how they can become engaged and active with their own state pharmacy association?
0: Absolutely. Um, So, Our website is probably the best way that you can just find general information. Um, It's naspa.us, so that's a little bit of a different ending um, for a website, but uh, naspa.us, and a lot of our stuff is open to the public, um, and we do have a page on Pharmacist Immunization Authority, and so you know, there's, you can, there's a link to it on our homepage. So you can go right there and see kind of what your state specifically looks like right now regarding authority. Um, and I would say with getting involved in your state association, honestly, first step is joining, like you mentioned at the beginning and reading up on what they're doing. So if it's a weekly you know, newsletter that comes out, Um, even if it's start small, it's okay to start small, Mm -hmm. read the newsletters. If they send a blast out asking you to do something advocacy wise, you know, filling out that form or sending a letter or making a call. Um, now that things are lifting, going back to an in-person meeting is an easy way just to, to really kind of figure out what the different opportunities are, meet other pharmacists and technicians in your state, that sort of thing.
2: Well, Ellie, Joe, thank you for those additional notes. And again, for your expertise on today's conversation, that does now wrap up our content for today's episode. Now for our listeners, a couple of final notes for you. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you have a question or topic, please let us know. Similarly, if you have a topic and would like to come on the show and talk about it, we would love to hear about that. You can DM us directly on Twitter at Pharmacy Quality, or you can email us at info at pharmacyquality.com. With that, I again appreciate you listening to the Quality Corner Show, and there is one final message from the PQS team.
1: The Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show has a request for you. Our goal is to spread the word about how quality measurement can help improve health outcomes, and we need your help in sharing this podcast to friends and colleagues in the healthcare industry. We also want you to provide feedback, ask us questions, and suggest health topics you'd like to see covered. If you are a health expert and you want to contribute to the show or even talk on the show, please contact us. You can email info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what is on your mind, what we can address so that you are fully informed. We want you to be able to provide the best care for your patients and members, and we wish all of you listeners out there well.